Hello everyone, I'm your co-host, Mike Lavarez, and welcome to Season 4 of Italian Alumni Talks, a weekly podcast where we talk to alumni about their experiences at Cal State Fullerton. For this week's episode, we have Randy Horner, who is a Lieutenant Colonel in the United States Marine Corps. He graduated in 1997 with a Bachelor's in Criminal Justice. Listen as we talk about the impact of his job, lessons on leadership, and advice to current students looking for a career in the military and after graduation. You can catch these episodes live at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays at TitanRadio.org, or you can watch all past episodes on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash alumni. I guess you just go into a little bit about yourself and and how you know you got into the Marine Corps and your, your route as an officer. No, so uh, yeah, born and raised here in Southern California. Um, started out at San Diego State and finished up at Cal State Fullerton when I graduated in 97. And uh, my route to, on the officer side to the Marine Corps was a little uh, unconventional, I guess you'd say. So you know, there's different programs, as you know, going through ROTC and how to get into uh, military service. Um, 90s was a little bit different as the military was kind of shrinking after Desert Storm. Right. Uh, so I waited until I graduated uh, from Cal State Fullerton before I applied, which was the hardest way to get into the officer program. So I ended up enlisting for a year. And during that first year of my enlistment, I was accepted into officer candidate school. And then was commissioned in 1998. So it was kind of an unconventional path, kind of a, a path I wouldn't have chose for myself if I uh, probably would have prepared better when I was younger. But um, it actually worked out in my benefit over my entire career. That's uh, that's, that's interesting. I mean, it's uh, interesting to know the all the different paths that you know people take to get into the military, especially the officer route. Not, I don't think a lot of people are familiar with even OCS, ROTC. Right. Uh, the only reason why I say that is because I'm the what's called the cadet recruiter at my battalion. And a lot of times we have students that are asking like, hey, so is this OCS? Is this, what is ROTC? It's just interesting because I think a lot of, when people think of the military, they don't, especially as students, they don't necessarily think of becoming an officer and, and they don't really know what leadership means in that terms. They think military, cut and dry, enlisted, infantry, I feel like is what the common uh, mindset is. Because as you know, sir, there's a ton of jobs in the Marine Corps and I mean, just in the military in general. Yeah, absolutely. And, and ironically, you know, after uh, graduating in 97 in 2003, when I got back from, uh, you know, Operation Iraqi Freedom, uh, I was the officer recruiter for Hawaii and Orange County for three years. Nice. So uh, I spent uh, many days on Cal State Fullerton, Cal State Long Beach, UCI, University of Hawaii, you know, talking about the different Marine officer programs and, and um, the other officer programs for the other services too. So mm-hmm. um, what I thought I knew going into it was completely different than when I actually started recruiting and like you said, kind of exploring all those different options and opportunities for people and having to convey that to college students and who had sometimes no idea how to get into the program. Because like you said, uh, hey, I know how to enlist in a Marine Corps out of high school, but the officer program is a completely different route. Absolutely. I, and touching on, on recruiting, and in the recruiting world nowadays, just because I'm, I'm around it all the time, during COVID and with the stay-at-home order and everybody kind of having that, that, that fear of, you know, just getting sick, rightfully so, I – I think it's it's affected recruiting uh, tremendously, especially for the Army. Uh, I can't speak on behalf of the Marine Corps, but I mean, how, how do you feel COVID has affected the military in general? I mean, I know that's kind of a, it's a big question because I know there could be a lot, a lot of different answers, but in your opinion, how do you think COVID? Affected? Well, I think, uh, you know, the Marine Corps always says, you know, it's a uh, mission first, people always. Mm-hmm. Uh, COVID definitely put the challenge on, you know, how do you, how do you protect the troops to be healthy? You know, the Marines be healthy, you know, you put them on a ship, you get 200 people sick, I think in the beginning, people were kind of fearful that it was going to be a lot more dangerous and deadly than it actually was. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so people put a lot of protocols in to be in, you know, healthy, clean, sanitary, you know, how, but when you put two, 500, a thousand guys in close proximity on a ship or in a birthing area, in a barracks, you know, you're going to have that close contact. So I think there were a lot of unknowns and there was definitely a lot of uh, friction and learning, a learning curve that everybody went through. But, you know, the job I had up to the last summer was dealing with recruits for the last three years and, you know, recruiting kept going on. Uh, shipment of uh, basic recruits down to Paris Island, San Diego, it continued. There were a lot of other protocols put in place, but, you know, the mission continued and with uh, people first, you know, it's a, uh, we found a way to keep people healthy and uh, continue on with the mission because otherwise, you know, everybody tr counts on the military to continue its mission and be able to deploy and be ready anytime, as you know. Right. Uh, so I think, I don't want to say everybody's over it, you know, but I think everybody knows how to handle it a lot better than they did before. Yeah, that's uh, all good, all good points there, sir. So if we, if we can go back to, to your experience at Cal State Fullerton, so why did you choose Cal State Fullerton and, and the major? Um, and what did you major in? Yeah, so uh, like I said, I, I started out at San Diego State, did a couple of years down there. Um, just wanted to move back to the local area up here in Huntington Beach, Fountain Valley, where I grew up. Um, yeah, I think just the experience down there and then coming back up here, you know, you just as a young 20 year old, 19 year old, you try to figure out your way in life and what you want to do and where you want to go. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I want to say I chose Cal State Fullerton. Sometimes it kind of chose me when you put a bunch of applications out there and it was kind of uh, Long Beach or Cal State Fullerton, I, and I chose Cal State Fullerton. Um, I went in as a criminal justice major, right. and, which is overly impacted, which I didn't know about. And the fact that I got in and didn't really have to worry about uh, fighting for a, uh, a major, which a lot of other students had to because everything was impacted. Um, I think I go back to my exploratory days at San Diego State. I think I changed my major every semester because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, but by the time I got back up here in, uh, must have been 1990. Uh, five is the year I started at Cal State Fullerton. I knew I wanted to be a criminal justice major. It just seemed to be the only tangible major that, uh, you know, was service to the community. I thought about being a police officer doing something else, but it was real life stuff too. And I just, I can't stand biology. I didn't like looking at a microscope. I didn't like thinking about things I couldn't put my hand on. So criminal justice seemed like a natural fit. The classes were entertaining, um, interesting. And uh, decided to do summer and winter program and just do two more years at Cal State Fullerton and end up graduating in 97. Nice. I, I, um, I have actually my, my bachelor's in criminal justice right now. And uh, I think the hardest class that I took was, was research. I think that was one of the hardest classes that we had to take. Yeah, statistics. Don't, don't put me <laughs> in front of statistics. I mean, I can do math all day long, but uh, I didn't do very well in statistics. I'll tell you that right now. I can't say fortunate. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was originally a uh, a business major just because when I think of Cal State Fullerton I think oh wow they have a great business program I want to see what that's all about um took a micro econ class and I was yeah I was in a I'm not too big of a math fan so changed my major real fast <laughs> yeah, I think I did architecture for a while I think I did a little bit of everything and just kind of you know you kind of do the long game I'm always thinking about the future and you're like what the hell am I going to do with this major and you realize that's probably not going to pay the bills right and, um, yeah it just seemed criminal justice just seemed like a natural fit around here and uh, I had a lot of friends in law enforcement at the time I was going to college, and that always kind of interests me. Right. Um, but when I graduated, I was kind of like, you know, I was 23 years old, you know, didn't really want to drive around in a police car and tell people what to do. I figured I haven't really done enough yet to be an adult or be, you know, uh, want to go do something different. That's kind of what led me towards the Marine Corps for a while. Okay, I see. Yeah, so this was supposed to be a temporary thing or a short-term thing, and then it turned out to be a career. I just had a great time and kept getting great jobs after great jobs, and next thing you know, it's been 23 years. Definitely. So in the Marine Corps, I know you've 
throughout being an officer, there's there's several different duty positions that you can have. Um, in the Marine Corps, I know, I'm not sure if it's the same for the Marine Corps, but as officers, what, what was your MOS or branch and what kind of different duty positions uh, did you hold? Oh, wow, so uh, I came in uh, as an officer, uh, I'm an artillery officer by trade. So coming out of uh, the basic school where you know, every Marine's taught how to be basically a basic rifle platoon commander or infantry officer. Then you go off to Fort Sill, Oklahoma, um, for six months and learn how to be an artillery officer for the army then came back and did my first uh, four years in North Carolina and with two couple deployments there uh, and then Marine Corps is very big on you go do a job and then you switch jobs about every three years and uh, we called it be billet a job away from your primary job that's when I went on recruiting duty so after three years or four years as an artillery officer I went and did three years of recruiting um, and then after recruiting I went back to being an artillery officer again where I was a, a battery commander for Mike one and eight howitzer uh, for transition to the high mars launcher during that time there's also the battalion xo for uh artillery battalion 5011 marines and after that time uh and during that tour i did uh seven months in ramadi uh as a, an advisor to an iraqi battalion um during operation in iraqi freedom and that advisor experience kind of put me on a path after that tour i went out to 29 palms and where i was the uh, training officer for the advisor training group so now i was out of the artillery community again but i was training all the future advisors going to iraq and afghanistan and kind of the Marine Corps, like, that's kind of how my career has gone. It's ping pong between uh, an artillery or fire support job to some other completely different job. And so I had experience. Uh, I lived in Australia for three years as an exchange officer working for the Australian Army, living in Melbourne, which was, you know, not even doing artillery. It was experimentation, which was fantastic. Mm -hmm. I did two years at Special Operations Command in Tampa, which had nothing to do with artillery. Uh, I was an operations officer for uh, Anglico or Air Naval Gunfire Liaison Company, which is a fire support artillery billet. So I've kind of, my career has gone all over the place and uh, just recently spent three years on Edson Range where we train uh, recruits on how to live in the field, uh, shoot their rifle, all those basic skills. And now I'm down in Coronado as a division head for expeditionary fires where we do a uh, naval gun fire, um, fire sport training for uh, battalions and regiments and also for the uh, Marine Expeditionary Unit. So my career, I've seen a lot of different jobs that have kind of, which keeps it interesting, it keeps it fun. And um, like I use the word fun a lot as a 47 year old, you know, you want to have fun in your, in your job. And that's what's kept me around for the last 23 years. Fun in the people. Absolutely. The fun in people is, I feel like the longer you're in, a lot of people find the reasons why as to why they're there. And there's always the two things I always hear is fun in people. So there's definitely hardship, but it's, oh, yeah. but the fun in the people make it worth it. You know, it's, uh, yeah, that's what keeps you around the camaraderie. So with, with all the different jobs that you had and your experiences in the military and, and uh, you as a, a Lieutenant Colonel, What's, what's your next step? Um, are you, do you plan on retiring soon? Oh, I believe you're actually retiring this year, sir. Yeah, I am. So I was supposed to retire last year and extended a year. Um, so yeah, I retire September 1st of this year. And I'm actually, my last day in uniform will probably be April 30th, mm -hmm. um, where I kind of transition to looking for a, a fellowship right now with a uh, private company. So I'm still going to the interview process for that. And then, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll stay here in, in Orange County and, uh, uh, interview with companies, which I've already started doing, and, and eventually find my way to uh, an adult job and get back to the real world. As I joke with people, the last job I had before the Marine Corps, I was selling golf clubs at Roger Dunn. So uh, nice. it's been a little while, <laughs> but you know, um, leading Marines, managing budgets, managing chaos, making decisions—you know, those those skills are universal. And I think my experience in education will—you know—I can benefit anybody. So I'm, I'm open to a, a new opportunity. I'm actually looking forward to it a lot. That's great. Congratulations on the soon retirement and, and moving on to the next uh, chapter in your life. Uh, you, you mentioned Roger Dunn in golf. So 
I, so a little background history myself. I played for Cal State Fullerton uh, on the golf team there. Played golf my entire life. So I can't imagine. I'm, I'm sure, and I know, I know for a fact that you played some pretty nice golf courses around the world on military bases. Do you have a favorite one, a favorite golf course, or even a country club local that you like playing at? Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, McDill is pretty good in Tampa. I mean, you can't beat the weather down there sometimes. Um, the thing I don't like about golf anymore is the price is definitely different than it was in 1997. It's uh, yeah. no longer 20 bucks at Costa Mesa, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny, the uh, destroyer course up there in uh, Los Alamitos is that's always fun. That's, that's a great course here in Orange County. Um, but lately, it seems like we've been playing a lot down here in San Clemente. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think worldwide. I mean, I, I did many trips over to England. We used to go play there all the time on, on different links courses. Nice. But uh, you, you'll find, you know, most Marines, wherever they go, they try to bring the golf clubs with them if they can, especially if it's just a, a week trip somewhere. But yeah, England was a good time. Absolutely. I, I know definitely when I when I PCS at Fort Benning, I'm going to play all the golf courses. I'm going to try to get out to Augusta if I can. Um, I doubt it, but just the, the experience of walking down the same the same holes as, you know, Tiger Woods and all these golf uh, legends, you know, just being in that environment as the Masters is it's pretty incredible to me. I always like to pick the brains of, of NCO, senior NCOs and, and field grade officers. So what advice do you have for for branding lieutenants coming into a platoon or even to, to Bullock, for example? Yeah, um, great question. I mean, just be patient and listen. Um, like you, you hear people say, you know, you get, God give you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should be uh, listening twice as much as you're talking, right. um, especially as a brand new lieutenant. You know, nobody expects you to know everything. You're, uh, you rely on your staff and COs to um, hopefully be honest with you and uh, build trust with them because they are the technical experts. Um, and just be patient. Uh, don't expect to jump in there and know everything and be, be able to make all the best decisions. Um, I, I did early in my career and I still do it, but I, I try to give the input from my guys, um, show them the respect that they've earned, that they are the professionals, they are the experts at what they're doing. And that way you take in all their information, let them know that their voice is important, their opinion is important and their experience you know, matters to you. That way you can be informed and make the best decision. And I think that's true across any rank. Um, a lot of lieutenants like to go in there and be like, you know, I'm in charge because I got these bars on my shoulder, but you're not in charge. You're, you, you're, you're going to be responsible for everything. Right. But sometimes those guys in charge, that's, that's your boss. Um, that's those senior enlisted leaders who are kind of showing you the ropes mm-hmm. until you've been, uh, I don't want to say groomed, but you know, put a little experience on your belt, but it also gives you that time to make mistakes and, uh, and build that trust where you're like, you know, maybe this guy's not, not exactly being honest with me, or maybe this is not the way it's supposed to be. And the military, in a lot of ways, um, as much as people say it's very rigid, there's a lot of things that this is how it has to be done. Um, military still likes innovation, you know, be creative. Like I've always been a, you know, you got to ask the question why. And younger soldiers, Marines, you know, military guys, they're, they were grown up with the why, you know, why are we doing this? I think maybe 30, 40, 50 years ago, people just, you know, uh, immediate obedience to orders what we used to hear. Now it's, uh, you know, you got to explain the why. And if you can explain the why to your soldiers and your Marines, they have buy-in, they're going to execute. And it makes it a hell of a lot easier when they want to execute the mission because they understand it rather than just blindly telling them, hey, do this just because I said so. That that will never work as a leader. Um, you can be a bully and a dictator if you want, but that'll never make you a leader. Right. I think that's uh, that a lot of the advice I received and our primary military instructor, he's a lieutenant colonel as well. He's actually a uh, field artillery officer. He, he always would teach us that in order to build trust with your soldiers, you 
you have to be able to communicate with them and you have to be able to understand where they're coming from. Um, but then when it's, when it's time to, to take, you know, to, to lead and take charge that we have to build trust and we have to be able to uh, trust our senior NCOs and, and not be afraid to, to make mistakes. Um, so this is some of the, the lessons in leadership that I like always kind of, uh, remind myself, um, especially as a, a future young Lieutenant, just because I feel like these, these lessons in leadership, they're never going to change whether I'm a Lieutenant or a, the eventual Lieutenant Colonel, because I would imagine that sometimes maybe you have to even remind yourself of, Hey, this, this Marine is, uh, maybe I need to, you know, counsel this Marine on, on resiliency rather than yelling and giving them a hard time, so on and so forth, just some examples. But I think leadership is, uh, leadership and knowing how to handle stress is something that students nowadays, I would feel like are, are kind of missing. And, yeah, I mean, one of the things you got to do, and it's, it's hard for most, uh, most leaders, officer types, you know, they're going to be that A-type personality, aggressive mentality, they're going to want to get in there and do everything. And uh, sometimes what you have to do is you got to let your guys make a decision, even if it's the wrong decision sometimes, as long as it's not immoral or not immoral, going to get somebody hurt or somebody killed or uh, illegal. You know, sometimes you got to let your guys fail to learn. And uh, you might know it's going to fail. You might know it's going to be the harder way, but you also, you got to let them kind of figure it out sometimes. So, so speaking of failure and being patient, I know that there's there's students right now listening to this podcast that may be struggling right now with their, with their academic situation. They may not know what major to pick, um, or they're even questioning whether they should stay in school because of COVID, because they need to work. What advice do you have for, for those students that are uh, currently at Cal State Fullerton? It's the easiest question, because uh, I can go back to my own example. So 1993, after one year of college, San Diego State, 36,000 commuters. Um, I felt like a lost soul down there. Uh, didn't know what I wanted to do. And I came home and I told my old man, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to join the Marine Corps. Or college is not for me. I don't, I don't want to do this. And I think it was because I was putting a lot of stress on myself also for what I want to do in the future. What do you want to do when you graduate? And, um, and my dad gave me the best advice in the world, which was one, if you drop out of college, you'll never go back. I, I think the, the amount of people who actually go back, is probably very small because once, once you leave college, you get a job, you start making money, you have bills, responsibility, maybe a family you just don't have the time or the money to go back. But also the other piece of that advice was just take one semester at a time. If you take one semester at a time and you achieve those goals for that semester, eventually in three, four, five years, whatever it takes you, you'll have figured out that path to graduate. So don't, don't look at it as a holistic requirement that, hey, I got to know every answer to the next four years. Just take it one semester at a time and keep plugging away. And if you do it that way, you'll, you'll turn around and be like, three years went by in a heartbeat, but now you're graduated, now you're done and you can move on. And I know a lot of people will say college degrees don't mean as much as they used to, you know, but I'd rather have it, not need it, than, uh, you know, need it, not have it. So uh, I think once people got into college, they started for a reason. Uh, you just got to plug away. But that also shows commitment to something also. That's usually what employers are looking for. You know, you went to college, you started and you finished something. You didn't quit. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's all great stuff. So what, what guidance do you have for somebody that's in college right now, that's contemplating joining the military, doesn't know if – if being an officer is for them or even being enlisted is for them. Um, what guidance would you give a recruit right now that, that's in that situation? Give me a call. I'll, I'll talk them through it. But uh, what I would say is um, explore all opportunities. Um, you know, I used to, I, I mean, I had this conversation a thousand times when I was an officer recruiter at Cal State Fullerton, you know, because I had all of uh, Orange County, part of LA and Hawaii, okay. different people from different vast backgrounds. Um, you got to explore all opportunities. Right, I wish I had, um, in hindsight, I wish I, I sought out more information when I was actually, um, I always almost, almost went to OCS for the Marine Corps. I walked into 
the uh, Santa Ana recruiting OCS building. Yeah, oh. it's the temporary one now that they have over there, correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, they, you know, they showed me videos and you know, we went to the whole nine yards, basically told me, hey, if you want to be here, we're going to help you, so on and so forth. Um, but for some reason, I just felt like I needed to know all my options. So that, that's great advice, just being patient and, and really just doing your research. I, th I think that's really important. I mean, I mean, now I'm, you know, I ended up taking the army route, but for my situation and I, I think it just, it worked out, um, just fine. So that's, um, yeah, everybody's got a unique story, unique experience. And, um, that's why sometimes if you, if you get the feeling that you're, you're only joining the military because the recruiter's pushing you a certain way, you're probably talking to the wrong recruiter. Right. Um, especially guys are in school, uh, trying to do those officer programs. You know, you don't, you don't want somebody, uh, that, that the military saying, Hey, I need this guy. You know, the Marine Corps always looks at it like, Hey, we want you to be a Marine. We want you to come into our service. We, we don't need you. We, we want the guy that wants to be here. So criminal justice. Yep. Uh, uh, why should somebody that's, that's majoring in criminal justice right now stay in criminal justice? Why not? I mean, I think that's the better question. You know, I mean, like I said, there's so many options out there. I think that sometimes when you get an inkling of, hey, maybe I'll try this, there, there's usually a reason. There's, there's a, probably a genuine interest there. Um, you know, I, I will say, I think the difference between Cal State Long Beach and Cal State Fortin, I know one's a, a BS, one's a BA. Cal State Fortin, it used to be, a, I think mine's a BA in criminal justice. It was more of the uh, theory behind it, um, more of the personal side about it. And I know, I think Cal State Long Beach was more of the structure side. Um, yeah, to me, it's just fascinating, you know, in, in service, just like the military service to your, to your nation. Um, criminal justice was kind of like service to your community, service to your state, service to, uh, it doesn't mean you have to be a police officer, there's a million different things you can do with it, but you just, you're probably a person that finds interest in things that are happening right now. You want to answer those questions or go find um, solutions to problems where you see the tangible results. You're not looking at counting beans or working at, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know, managing, you know, TPS report somewhere. It's a, uh, you know, you're looking for a hands-on interactive experience. I think that's what criminal justice provides everybody. And plus it changes all the time, you know, depending on, you know, the environment, it's not like a, a manufacturing plant changes because of technology, but criminal justice changes because of uh, values change, morals change, laws change, people change in society. And I, and I think that criminal justice provides an opportunity to have an impact on all those things. Yeah, I remember when I was in my undergrad, a lot of it was, it was based on what was going on in society and a lot of the, the issues that was going on that we studied and we wrote, I mean, a, a plethora of, of papers on it. Um, it was really interesting. I enjoyed my time as a criminal justice major and having that degree now, I'm very prideful of it just because I know that the amount of work that had to go into just getting that degree. Um, so going into success now, I know be, being, being in the Marine Corps, being an officer, what does uh, success mean to you? Uh, that's a great question because I mean it goes back to uh, success to me. I mean that's that's a it's a personal fulfillment. I think it's what success is. I mean I don't and people everybody's gonna judge success differently. Some people are gonna think it's a monetary thing. You got so much money in the bank, or you you clear so much money a year, um, you travel this much, or you're in charge of this many people. So people I think define success differently. You know, for me success is it's a personal thing. You know, I um, I, I find success at work when I take care of the Marines and sailors that work for me, when I know that they can do their job well and they're rewarded for it and, and they're, they're happy or their morale is good. To me, that's success. That means as a leader, I'm doing the right things and they're doing the right things. Um, to me, that, that, that's success. You know, it's that personal satisfaction you get from the job. And, uh, and that's, that's how I've been measured or I've measured my success over the years. You know, did I contribute to where I was? Did I make the place better when I left? And usually, you know, you can kind of tell your impact on an organization by 
you know, do the people actually talk to you once you leave? Hmm. Uh, because if you never hear from anybody ever again, you, you probably were the guy that needed to go. <laughs> uh, so to me, that's kind of, that's how I measure success. Mm-hmm. What I would change, I probably would have got more involved personally with people at Cal State Fullerton. I mean, I, uh, I, I don't think I have one friend that I met at Cal State Fullerton that I still talk to just because I think as a commuter school, like, the, like all the Cal State schools are so big. Most people go back to their hometown and that's who you live with, that's who you are. I didn't spend a lot of time on campus with clubs at all. I, I probably would, I would have changed that and had that more personal experience because I also think that's a very West Coast thing. I, friends that come from smaller universities and on the East Coast and the South especially, yeah, I think there's more of a, a commitment to school and, and what you do and, and uh, making more friends probably on campus. I was the exact opposite. I, I went on campus like it was a job, went to school, went to class, and then I went back to Huntington Beach and uh, went to work and hung out with my friends. Um, Probably the best day at Cal State Fullerton ever was uh, standing in line and seeing a flyer uh, and not knowing that one of my favorite bands of all time, Jawbreaker, was playing right there in the quad area, like 1996. And uh, that's probably one of the best days because nobody's really ever heard of that band. Maybe they'll Google it right now and they think they broke up right afterwards. But that's probably the best day because it was completely unexpected. And then obviously graduation because my mother never thought I was going to graduate. And walking across, you know, sometimes I still have to remind myself I actually finished. Um, but it was a lot of great times. I mean, I've, I've walked on campus a few times. And like I said, when I was doing recruiting, I was there all the time. It, it's, it's definitely changed a lot. And I think grown a lot, the school and the campus. And um, I just feel, I feel glad for everybody that goes there now. They get, there's a parking garage where it used to not be a parking garage because, God, parking was terrible. It, you know, it's funny you mention all these things because I, I can relate with every single thing you said because I've been at Cal State Fullerton now. Now that I'm studying my, my, in my graduate, I've six years now, is that I've been on the university. Wow. And, I've, and I've seen, going through my bachelor's degree when it was all in person, so pre-COVID. And I wasn't very involved. You know, I, was, I mean, I was on the golf team, but it was just practice, school, meetings, practice, and you know, just rinse, repeat, recycle. And then, you know, go home because you're just so tired. And so definitely for the students listening out there is getting involved is, is important, even if it is um, on Zoom. And just having the conversation with human interaction, I feel is what people need more nowadays. Well, what you don't realize that that's going to pay off, especially in your major is, uh, and I was probably either too immature or I didn't have really a lot of people to talk to about it, but what you get out of there is a network of people. Um, and it's all networking. You're, you're not going to find a job on a job board. You're not going to find a job, especially later on in life uh, through a want ad. I mean, if you don't even know what that is these days, it's all networking. It's who you know, where you know it, and you develop that professional networking LinkedIn has kind of become the Facebook of professionals, I guess, but uh, networking is everything. And you're going to run across somebody, especially if you stay in the local area that you went to school with, who might have an opportunity for you or might be the guy that you're working with with another agency. So the biggest thing you can get out of college, not only is the degree, but it's, it's the networking that you're going to have forever. And I learned that after 23 years in Marine Corps, I have a network that's global um, that I can leverage. Uh, I just never really was able to take advantage of that from my college experience because I was the guy that scheduled all my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I had Friday through Monday to stay at the beach, you know, and that's just, that's, that was my college experience. I'm looking over the, the quick fire questions right now. All right. So, sir, some of these questions are, they're interesting to me. So first thing is coffee versus tea. Neither. Neither. So how water, sir, is that? <laughs> uh, a lot of monsters. It's uh, I just, Coffee tastes like garbage, and tea's never done anything for me. So, I just, yeah, water and monsters probably. All right, all right. So, which is better, undergrad or graduate? Uh, 
graduate. That's where you're supposed to have fun and make mistakes, right? I got my graduate degree. You know, I did my MBA. It was all online. So it was kind of a different experience. It, it definitely is a different experience. I got to experience both just going through pre-COVID and COVID, and it's it's interesting. It's uh, I mean, way better all the time. Yep. Yeah, every time. All right, city versus the woods. Uh, I, I would, 20 years ago, I would have said city. Now I'm a, a woods person. Right, that's probably a bad question to ask anyways. <laughs> all right, phone call or text? Text. Waffles or pancakes? Pancakes. I'm trying to think of a creative one here, sir. That has something to do with MREs. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's see. Um, online shopping or shopping in a store? Online shopping. No way you're going to give me a mall or to the store. My daughter hates that. I won't take her. <laughs> Winter or summer? Summer, for sure. Okay, so in regards to the, the Marine Corps uniform, rolled up sleeves or sleeves down? Rolled up? Yeah, show the guns, right? So, uh, uh, something iconic about sleeves up. Yeah. The other services look the same, sleeves down, so you might as well roll them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny you say that because I was at my, my AT, my National Guard unit, and I saw some soldiers with rolled up sleeves, and we were at Camp Pendleton, and I was kind of like, kind of squinting my eyes because I remember my drill sergeant never taught me how to roll my sleeves. <laughs> I didn't know that soldiers did that, and I talked to my lieutenant colonel, and he was like, yeah, don't ever do that around me. That's another thing. That's yeah, I, think I think it was optional back in the day, and I think most of the people went sleeves down year-round nowadays. Marine Corps tried to do that, but everybody fought it, and now we can back to sleeves up in the summertime. Well, sir, that's that's all the questions that I have. Um, and again, I'm going to say it again. I appreciate your time, um, taking the time and, and the, ne the networking and offering the, the help and the lessons in leadership that you, you've given both of us today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hopefully it's entertaining. I mean, I can be kind of dry. I'm the old guy in the room. I'm probably not as funny as I think I am. Um, all right, guys. Well, have a great weekend. I appreciate it. Right, you too, sir. Take care.